Hi, I'm Lori, and I want to welcome you to the Awakening Moments podcast. And I'm Rhonda. Lori and I are pastors here in Ottawa, Canada, and we're both wives, moms, and most importantly, daughters and servants of God. And it's our hope and prayer that you would have awakening moments with us as we wrestle through the hard things in life. Lori and I love that we can share our lives with you, so grab your tea or coffee and let's awaken our hearts together. Well, hi, Rhonda. Hi, Laura. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Yeah, you're having a good day today? I'm having a great day. It's podcast day. How can yes, it not be good? I know. We love we love to podcast. Well, we have a guest with us <gasps> so today exciting. that I am so excited about. We have Pastor Sandra McIntosh here Woo! from Bethel Church in Ottawa, and we are super pumped to have you on the uh, podcast today and just to share your heart with us and really who you are and, and what you do and what God is doing in your life, through your life, what God's speaking to your life uh, right now. We're just excited to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are and, you know, what brought you to Ottawa here and what you do. Okay. Well, I was raised in a Christian home and uh, my parents were really actively involved in church. And um, I'm sure I was in church from the time I was about a week old. Wow. Uh, but when I was eight years old, I specifically remember there being a kids ministry event going on. And uh, I heard the gospel for the first time for me. I'd heard it before, I'm sure, my whole life. But I actually heard it and felt that I knew at that moment that I needed to accept Jesus as my savior. And I remember after running up to the car to my mom and saying, Mom, I'm a sinner. And she's like, yes, you are. And, um, but that day was the day I invited Jesus into my life. And then when I was about 15, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was a really impactful experience in my life. And felt very shortly after that that I was called into ministry. And didn't have any, any goal or desire or dream to do anything else other than be in ministry. So back in the day, that looked like children's ministry. But I didn't think about that. It was just God's called me to ministry. And then I would just wait and see what that would become. I went to Bible college. I married my high school sweetheart um, right after that. And then we started in ministry and have been in different places um, in Canada and across the world. Um, the main place we had been just before we went overseas was in Brampton at Candy Road Tabernacle. And we were there for 10 years. Mm. And um, I had a spiritual awakening at, at that place. And then we ended up on the mission field for 10 years in Thailand from 2005 to 2016, actually almost 10 and a half years. And um, then we got called to come to Ottawa. And at Ottawa, my husband's the lead pastor and I'm the young adult pastor at Bethel. So. That's so cool. Okay, so you've been wow. in ministry for how many years now? I can't, I don't know, like oh, 30 plus, 30, 30 plus. 30 years. Yeah. You've been in ministry in 30 years and yeah. you're the young adult pastor. Yeah. That is so cool. Share a little bit of your heart for young adults. <laughs> yeah, I think I might win the prize for the oldest young adult pastor. I, I the love that. It's not even about age, but I just no. love your heart. Yeah, um, yeah I, when I had... Um, a spiritual awakening in my life at the age of 33. So like I said, I was really, I got alive in my faith. I went to Bible college. I felt called into ministry, was in ministry. But over time, about the time I was around 28 or 29, I started to really just go through the motions of faith. And I had let other things become more important in my life. For me, actually, uh, one of those things was shopping. I love to shop and there's nothing wrong with shopping, but if it becomes <laughs> Lord and master, there is a problem. Right. So I used to get high off of buying a new dress or, wow. and, and it was very fleeting, but I was like, ah, I'd be so oh, excited. Totally. And then it would, you know, 
I need another thing. And I got like really preoccupied with my life. And we had our daughter about that time and really was into when I got with friends, we talked about mostly like hair and clothes and nails and our homes and things like that. So Jesus was in my life, but he was on the sidelines and I was in the center of my life. And when I had that spiritual awakening, I was about 33 and uh, everything changed that night for me. It was in a service at our church. I had no, I had faith, but it was like so tiny. A speaker asked, does anybody want more of Jesus in their life? And I'd come to an awakening before that, that there was something wrong with me only a few months before. And before that, I was oblivious. For about five years, I was oblivious to my spiritual state. And I was a pastor's wife through all of that, but just going through the motions. And I had been in a service a few months before where I had a realization something's wrong, but I didn't act on it. So in this service, when he asked, do you want more of Jesus in your life? I had come to the point where going, "Mm, yeah, I do. So I walked to the altar and I was like all the way thinking, he better not do anything weird. That speaker better not do anything weird. He better not say anything weird. He better not push me. And I was ready like with my stance at the altar just in case he was going to. So I walked down, not really expecting anything other than a response from my heart going, yeah, I need more of God in my life. Went to the altar. He saw me and ran off the stage and came right down to me. He didn't touch me. He just said, Sandra, focus on Jesus. And I did. And within seconds, I fell to the floor. And I sobbed for about 45 minutes. I mean, it still makes me emotional. This is, I'm 20 plus years past this. I fell to the floor. And for 45 minutes, I wept from the depths of my heart. And I only can describe it as spiritual surgery. I I don't even know another way to describe it to you. Mm -hmm. And I got up off the floor feeling like a completely different person and I'd fallen in love with Jesus really for the first time in my life like a real deep I love Jesus Mm. and everything changed and my passion for young adults and youth started to come from from that point that was like the starting point so I was kind of like in the sidelines in ministry before that and went within a few months of going deep in to ministry and our our youth pastor was leaving the church as is at KRT and my husband said to me would you like to be the interim youth pastor until we find someone and I thought are you kidding me like I mean this is actually a number of years after that happening and I um I said I prayed and I was like okay I'm going to and so for eight months <laughs> I took a youth group of about 20 and it went to 130 within eight months oh, and then um, a youth, we hired a youth pastor and I handed it off and then about several months later one of the young adults came up to me in the lobby of the church and just looked me straight in the face and said we're waiting for you oh my goodness yeah and God started to speak to me about starting a young adult ministry there So I did that for a few years before we got called to the mission field. And since then, I've been working with young adults. I worked with them on the mission field. I started a young adult ministry there. I worked with young adults. I started a mission school there with young adults. So they have been my passion and I would say my favorite people in the world to this day to this day wow so yeah it's been exciting I love them so much and coming here to Canada even when the board asked me if I would be interested in being the young adult pastor at Bethel again I prayed about it I don't ever want to 
uh, do something because I can. I want to do it because God is saying, you're the person for this moment. Yes. And I do realize that there are a lot of younger ones coming up behind me, and I don't ever want to take their place. Um, I do believe there's a time when you have to step aside and and be the champion behind leaders. So I, I'm just wanting to make sure I'm not overstepping that. But I felt God say, yes, start young adult ministry at Bethel. And um, it's been really exciting. So, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Oh, Isn't that I so cool? I love it. I <laughs> yeah. love that. I love that story, like, of your awakening, yeah. of your awakening moment in God. I, I love that story because... I think for a lot of people, they probably don't expect that as a pastor and a pastor's wife and having gone through Bible college and having been raised in a, you know, believing home that you would be at the age of 33 years old and kind of stale in your faith. Yes, of course you believed in God and Jesus was your savior. Yes. But he probably was not Lord at that time. And, and that you would literally be in that position. Right. I I think that's such a fascinating and interesting thing. And sometimes uh, like we're all pastors, all three of us are pastors. And sometimes people, people who, who attend churches or people who are not pastors think pastors don't process their faith in the same way as everybody yeah. else but we exactly we do, do. Exactly, the same. <laughs> exactly the same and yeah. even as we're walking out you know the things that God is doing in our lives like we can get caught up along the way yeah. in things that are not from yeah. God that are not that we're we're not meant to we're not meant to bring along the journey and it can yeah. it can disillusion us it can get us off course totally and off track totally and I I wasn't reading the Bible anymore. I wasn't praying anymore. All this time being very active in the church and a pastor's wife. And um, yeah, I just was really consumed with me. I would call it to God when I was upset or, you know, felt, you know, worried about something, but mostly never cracking open the Bible ever, ever. You know, shortly after that happened to me, I was asked to speak at a pastor's wife thing about what had happened to me. And I think there were about 68 pastor's wives. And I asked, if you're dry in your faith, I want you to respond to this altar. If you need a fresh encounter with Jesus, and 66 of the 68 came to the altar. Oh, yeah. wow. So, yeah. It, it just shows. It does. I think there's a yeah. lot struggling with that freshness. Yeah. And oh, a lot yes. Yes. And, yes. And it's even more, what I'm seeing today is like, uh, I know a stat that was given at our recent district conference in May that 74% of evangelical churches are either stagnating or in decline. And I honestly believe a piece of that is starting from an alive, fresh faith in pastors' lives who have vision, who are in the word, who are excited yes. about seeing their community come to Jesus. I feel that there is a, a piece there. Who that, are free. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, who are free. Yeah, they need, I think we need revitalization in the hearts of uh, leaders. I know I needed that. In fact, I need it all the time. Amen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right here. Totally. Same. Yeah. Totally. So, that yeah. is, that is so true. I yeah. think you are so right on yeah. about that. And we're not going to get that yeah. in leadership training. We're no. not going to get that in more knowledge. No. We're not even going to get that in more theology. Yeah. God literally needs to go to the heart yeah. and wreck us yeah. Yeah. and break us, yeah. you know, in the, for the ways that we've brought into or the things we've brought into our life that yeah. are not from him. It changed my life so much. Like I remember about a year later speaking at a women's event and I had a, uh, a workshop about intimacy with Jesus and a lady from a previous church came up to me and said, when I saw your name beside intimacy with Jesus, I thought, what on earth does she have to say? 
And that sounds really harsh, but she was right. And I said, you're absolutely right. I need to tell you what has happened in my life. And I I really felt like, well, I came the better version of me, not a different person. It was me, but alive. I say it all the time. Jesus made me come alive. And I didn't really have great self-esteem up until that point in my life. Um, I just felt less than other people, felt like I didn't have any giftings. But when I discovered Jesus in reality, he showed me me. And I started to realize that he didn't pass me over with gifts. Like, I do have gifts. They may not have looked like the stereotypical pastor's wife gift back in the day. Let me guess. So you don't sing and you don't play piano? No. Oh, me neither. I can't can't make an eight-course meal out of a can of beans. But I... I do have other gifts and the Holy Spirit showed me that and I started to believe it of myself and that's where I came alive and I've never gone back. I mean, I've had, when we moved to the mission field, I went through some hard days in those first two years about what, what on earth are we doing here? Um, even though knowing God had called us and questioning those type of things, but I never wanted ever to go back to what I had before. It was so Mm. stale and lifeless and the Bible just becomes like, a book of stories when you're not alive, but it becomes your stories when you are alive. So everything, like I can't describe to you how much I became a different person. Like just, I came, I became alive in all areas. I used to mock people who like, not outwardly, but in my brain, if I saw somebody (laughs) uh, worshiping exuberantly in my head, I would think you should calm down. You should calm down. And I became that worshiper. And I love it. Like in every part of my life, every part of my life and things that I would excuse as personality or, you know, I'm not wired that way or, you know, I just don't do that. I became all of those things because of my new found love um, in Jesus. And I've worked to cultivate that all of these years since that experience. But it was a defining moment in in my life. Sandra, that is beautiful. (laughs) But it makes, it just brings it right back that, God doesn't, he's not concerned about our titles, our roles. We are children of God. And it's having that intimate relationship with God that matters all. You can be in any role, any position, but if that isn't happening daily where God is renewing that intimate place with him of who we are, with everything stripped aside, that we are his child, he is our king, our father. Yeah. We're not, we don't have anything. No, no. It's like he use everything. It's like you're sleepwalking. It yes. Is. That's what it, it is. Like. You're sleepwalking yes. And when he, the Holy Spirit breathes life into you, then you wake up. And, yeah. um, and I, like I said, I, I need that every day of my life. Every mm-hmm. day. So. Mm-hmm. I had the same, a similar experience happened when I was 21. Okay. A similar experience. We were in uh, Pensacola, Florida at the Brownsville Revival, actually. And, um, and the same type of thing, literally uh, nothing actually happened. And I didn't even go mm-hmm. forward or mm-hmm. anything, but the Holy Spirit just just attacked me (laughs) in the best way just came over me in such a profound way and I just began to weep in a worship service my hands were in the air and I just wept from my toes and and when whatever that was stopped I I was a different person and I was awake too I woke up I woke Mm. up and the all the words that you're using to describe what happened to you after I would use those same words before I didn't think I had anything to offer God. I knew God. I I had been, you know, I I had had a, I wouldn't even say a relationship, but I knew of him. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, everything was awakened, all the giftings, all the spiritual giftings, everything that God wanted to do. And I started to believe it too. I just started to believe it, even though 
again, I didn't possess any of what I would have thought would have been things that, you know, God could use, you know, Rhonda growing up with Rhonda and, you know, her being a super anointed worship leader, you know, gifted by God and kind of having even that comparison of that's how God uses somebody. That's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Oh, like God can't use somebody like me. Right. And just in that moment, all of that Mm -hmm. washes away. And (laughs) I even tried in the early days to put on the previous pastor's wife's mantle so she could cook and clean. She was really hospitable. Well, actually, I do love that way more now in my life, but back then I didn't. And I, I started having people over to our house all the time, and I was nuts. And my family <laughs> basically said, please stop. Please stop. They're stressing us all out. And and I started to learn to walk in my own gifts. Yeah. Um, I remember yeah. once being in an auditorium, and we were trying to get everyone's attention, and the microphone wasn't working. So I, as a youth pastor's wife, I learned to whistle, you know, with two fingers in your, in your mouth. And I just thought, no one's listening. I'm just going to whistle. So I whistled. It's very piercing, you know, that kind of whistle. And a man turned around and looked at me. He said, he said, the person's name, but he said, the previous pastor's wife would never have done that. And I said, well, it wasn't her gift. It's mine. (laughs) And actually saying that was actually another little breakthrough for me, just accepting who I, who I was. So yeah, even those small little things, it was like, like, this is who I am. And, and my husband said to me, if God wanted the previous person's giftings here, they would be here. That's right. But you're yeah. here. So he's going to use you in be yours. You. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. yeah, it was really awesome. Oh, oh I so good. That. that is so good. Well, you, uh, so you mentioned that you, um, had been a missionary yeah. for a number of years yeah. and now you're here in Canada. You've been here for now back in Canada for three and a half, three and a half yeah. years. So like talk a little bit about the contrast. Yeah. So to go from mm-hmm. the mission field to like ministering back in Canada. Yeah. I mean, it, it was something you knew before, but it's yes. a different time now. It is a different time. It's a time. different time. Yeah. It's a different time in what God's doing. It's a different time in our nation. Yes. Yeah. What, what's that been like mm-hmm. for you? And what is it like mm-hmm. to minister overseas and then in Canada as a pa- as pastors? It, it's really hard to compare them, but I will say there's a massive difference from when we left to go to the mission field in the church life. Then there went, and then when we came back, in okay. fact, we knew there was by just talking to other pastors all the time we were away, um, but we didn't know it till we actually walked in it. Like when we came back, what it actually meant. Um, so being overseas, I would say in some countries there's much greater spiritual hunger in the church. Mm-hmm. So people, I often got reprimanded if I only spoke for forty minutes. So if I was preaching somewhere, people would come up to me and say, "We came." quite a ways to hear you. Why are you only speaking for 30 or 40 minutes? But that was what I was used to in in Canada. So a hunger to hear more of the word Mm. and just worship for a very long time. Um, So that, that was a very obvious difference, you know, when we were there. Now the church we came from was very alive when we left. So I, I was used to a spiritual like anticipation and excitement and faith, but it would be even more um, in a greater way on the mission field. I've been in places there where I saw the presence of God in greater ways than I'd ever experienced. And I had experienced him in a great, great way at our previous church. But I remember being in a tent meeting in Sri Lanka with about 300 um, youth. And I, I actually had to speak through tr- through uh, two translators. So it took forever to do the sermon. So I'd speak, then one would speak, and then another would speak. Right. But before the speaking, there was a worship service. And I noticed all of a sudden that the musicians had stopped playing. But you could barely tell because the voices of the youth were so raised in worship and adoring Jesus. And they were, it was kind of like a sing song in a way that they were doing all individually, but it sounded like one. 
and um, their voices would all rise together and then fall like waves. And for about 20 minutes that happened and I just stood and sobbed. Like it was like the glory of God came on that place. And, um, you know, my heart longing, like, I I don't believe God works just in geographical locations like that. He's not like, oh, I'm going to do that here, but I'm going to not going to do that here. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not just poverty, um, and the knowing of need of God that makes that happen. It's the heart everywhere Mm -hmm. in the world. So Mm -hmm. if that desire and hunger is here, we will experience the glory of God here the same sort of way. Um, The other thing that would be very different is the evidence in your face of the demonic. So here I believe the enemy is working as hard as Mm -hmm. he is everywhere in the world, but there it manifests in a more in-your-face way. So a woman I worked with in my first five years, she said to me, "Um, Thailand is Disneyland for the spirit world. So on a regular basis, we would have to deal with people manifesting uh, demonically. It was like part of my normal living uh, there. It just was very common because in uh, Southeast Asia and many nations, they invite the spirits into their life from a very young age. So people have many, many demons in mm-hmm. them. So when someone encounters Jesus or there's a worship service and an unbeliever comes in, there will be a manifestation. So that's in your face there. It's here too. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah hidden so describe mm-hmm. that describe yeah, that because again like? we don't see that how, describe how it's hidden here or how, no what it looks no like, like well like for people you know who might be listening who yeah lived in canada all their life yeah. they may not have ever yeah. seen anything like what does that look like um, what what kinds people of things will start to in a it's usually in a it's usually in a, in a service or if they say i need help please pray for me um then we start praying and then they start to manifest so they will it depends i've i feel like i've seen everything yeah all different so i've seen people slither like a snake across the floor i've seen people act like tigers because they worship those images in in thailand so those are the spirits so whatever spirit that they have elevated in their life when they're being freed of those spirits they manifest in those ways. Um, I've seen people's eyes turn black. I've seen a 90-pound girl overpower six of us. Um, I've seen people cough up blood um, because they were they invited spirits into their life through a tattoo ritual. Um, and that's something that involves blood. I've seen people with uh, gambling type spirit type things it's just bizarre like things you can't even imagine um i've seen people be about to be baptized so they've invited jesus into their life but have not made him lord and uh, and they're about to be baptized just screech out and then that they have to deliver them so from the west i remember saying to the leaders maybe they're not quite ready for baptism (laughs) like when that happened that's what i would say and they would say oh no we're casting this demon out now and and they're getting baptized like just a completely different approach right yeah. Um, so that that was regular. I was at a I spoke at a a CMA um, women's event once, and they asked me to speak on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And two hundred women came to the front to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And about the sixth woman that I prayed for, she I put my hands on her, and she just screamed. I could tell something was wrong the moment I looked at her, but she just screamed. And I started to pray that she'd be delivered. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, "There are two hundred wa- women waiting to be filled with the Holy Spirit." Um, don't let the devil have all your time. Hmm. So I actually asked for a Thai leader to come and pray with her to be delivered. And I went on praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So that was like what we saw on a, on a really, really regular, regular basis. So that's what it would look like. Yeah. Wow. That wow. Is something. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't scary either. It no, was, no. it was like, 
almost exciting. Yeah. Because you would see people them get bow. Free. Yeah. Yes. You would see those demons bow at the name of Jesus. Oh, so yeah. yeah, it was really exciting. He's the all powerful one. Yeah. Yeah. He's really the exciting. key. Oh, that is so <laughs> wow, neat. That's so interesting. Okay. So now you come to Canada yeah. and you start pastoring in a yeah. church. Your life completely changes. Actually, before we go there, I want, I was curious too, what would, it, what was it like raising your daughter there? Yeah, it was, it was actually, it was really, really good. Now she, at the age of 12, was filled with the Holy Spirit and took her faith as her own. So we moved there when she was 14. Okay. So she had, when we told her, we feel like God is calling us and we loved our church. I mean, we loved Care to um, she was on the children's youth ministry team. Um, she she was loved by the people. I was working with young adults. They took her out for coffee. So she was like the little star child. You know what I mean? Pastor's kid, just loved. She was very involved, very, you know, really understood her faith. But then we moved to Thailand and we she went to a youth group that was all Thai. She didn't understand the language. So spiritually, there was no external input in her life it was that was a bit challenging but we said to her seven meals a week is way more important than one so you need to get alone with Jesus and it actually really really she did and it really really strengthened her and when we told her we feel God is calling us to go there she her response as a 12 year old was this well then let's go and it's a very dangerous age sorry she was 14 it's a very dangerous age to say to a young person we're going to move to the other side of the world in fact i do know some ministry missions organizations don't allow missionaries to go when their kids are at that age um but she was like yeah okay let's go she loved it she thrived she did amazing Incredible. so yeah in fact she was better than me in some instances like i wow. i in the early days like i was really upset about all the changes and who i who am i now and um, i remember driving and getting really upset and yelling out in the car which i never did in canada like she said mom what's happened to you i'm like i don't know i just want to kill people um because the driving was so erratic and she was like mom this is our country now and these are our people and i was like shut up. That's what I said to her. Maybe they're your people. They're not my people yet. But I was so flustered and not like out of place, but she embraced it immediately. And that was a gift. Wow. That was a gift to us. So yeah, it wasn't, it was pretty good. That's incredible. We're going to take a little break from the podcast with an exciting announcement. Well, our first set of dates for Heart Conference are sold out. March 6th and 7th, we've sold out, Rhonda. That is amazing. Oh, I am so excited. Amazing. But if you missed your chance to get a ticket, we're launching a second set of dates. Oh, my goodness. I know. I love this. I do, too. It's going to be available for Thursday, March 5th, starting at 7.30 p.m., running into Friday, March 6th from 9 to 4.30 p.m. Conference is $89 and tickets are available at heartconference.ca. Ladies, this is your chance. If you missed out on the first set of dates, grab your tickets. It's going to be life-changing. The second set of dates is actually really ideal. If you are retired, if you are a stay-at-home mom with school-aged children, by the time your kids are getting home from school, you'll be done. If you even have just lots of commitments on the weekends, or if you have the ability to take a day off work, you can have your weekend still free and get this incredible transformational women's conference experience uh, before the weekend. I love it. And I have a strong sense, Lori, that God is going to take us out of hiding to reveal how he sees us when he looks at us. Amen. Well, ready or not, here we come. 
And, and yeah. so how's it gone? How's it been here? Coming in back? Canada? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a, a, a bit of an adjustment. But again, we came back twice a year, talked to pastors, asked them, like, what's the church like? What are you going through as pastors? And the number one answer we received was our biggest challenge would be apathy and lethargy. And um, so we heard that with our ear, but didn't really fully understand it. Now, we itinerated, and I could see the condition um, of churches, and I felt that there seemed to be a lack of life and passion for Jesus. But then we came back and started to pastor. And so back in the day, uh, people came to church every single week, every single Sunday. The people that were very faithful and alive came every Sunday. Um, I have seen a big shift on that. Uh, uh, Maybe you come twice a month. Um, Or uh, many people may not want to be involved in anything more than Sunday morning. And that was a bit of a shocker uh, to us, just because when we left, that wasn't the case. People were involved quite heavily more than once a week. And um, just uh, just needing a revived heart was something that we saw that was evident, not just at, at Bethel, but at many, many places mm-hmm. that we found ourselves mm-hmm. visiting or talking to pastors. So that's been something we expected that. But when you walk in it, it's a whole, a whole different thing. Um, and then the presence of online, that wasn't prevalent when we left. And um, how people could... Uh, uh, put you down online. That's something that we hadn't anticipated. Visitors who live in another city would come to the church and maybe do a review of the church. Um, and you'd never met them, didn't know them. They didn't attend. They were visiting, but didn't like something. And they, that now is available online for all to see. So it was like, (gasps) what? Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that was a bit of a shocker. Okay. So how do we walk? The world has changed. Yeah. The world Mm -hmm. has changed. Yeah. How do we walk through that? How do we guard our hearts about that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So that was a bit of a change. But generally, like, we've been loving, like, it, you know, first six months, we had to walk through some oh, new yeah. things, learning how yeah. to adjust, but have come to just love um, the church that God has put us in. Well, we loved it from the beginning because mm-hmm. we knew God had called us, but yeah. walking through those challenges, but then loving it. Like, yeah, it's awesome. That so. is amazing. Sandra, I want to go back a little bit because I I always find this so helpful when people are listening. You've made some big faith steps. Yeah. You know, I mean, our journey with Christ is faith steps, whatever that may look like. But for you, really, picking up your family, moving to Thailand, then coming back. Yeah. How how did you and your husband really discern the voice of God in that season? And if someone's listening, feeling like, you know, I really feel like God's asking me to do something pretty radical, like a big faith step, how would you help walk them through and mentor them through through the podcast? I would just say, um, for us, just staying close to the Lord and always wanting to make sure we were living where he wanted us to be, doing what he wanted us to do, um, asking the Holy Spirit for direction in our lives. When it came to make the decision to move overseas, uh, for about two years before we went, we started to feel a dissatisfaction um, being in Canada, which threw us for a loop. Like we thought we'd be, we thought maybe one day we'd be on the mission field, but in our retirement years. So we didn't expect God to pull us to, you know, to the mission field. Um, but just started to feel like God started to speak to us about, you know, I know your heart's for Canada. We, we, you know, I know you want people to come to know me, but there's a whole world out there. And we were in a very healthy church by the end and felt, you know, God was saying to us, if you leave here, there'll be a lineup of pastors who will want to come, but there's not a lineup for the rest of the world. And so we actually eventually went to our head office and said, where's the greatest need in the world? And they asked us if we had a country of burden. And, you know, we said, no, just where is greatest need? And they told us Southeast Asia. And we actually haven't even 
we didn't entertain Southeast Asia at all. It wasn't even in our radar at all. Um, so we prayed about it for a month before giving an answer and just got a yes. Now, in doing that, I'm not going to pretend it was easy. Excuse me. <clears throat> it was, it was, e- well, leaving made me weep. I actually wept for about six months once we arrived in Thailand because I was grieving the loss of the church. So we loved the church. They loved us. You had a very intimate family outside of your own family. And um, I went from 2,000 people loving me to no one. That was really hard. So that loss was really difficult, but I hung on to God has called us here. Peter and I both had to hang on to that in those days. Um, And redefining who I was. So I went from being the young adult pastor, leading women's ministries, you know, speaking at, you know, events, you know, in Canada and stuff like that to no one caring that I had ever done anything. I was starting all over again. Um, so it was like we were in our 40s, but felt like we were 19 years old needing to be led by the hand. Um, that was a big issue to swallow pride. So it actually showed me some things that had taken root in my life that I didn't see until they were taken away. So I had to deal with some pride issues once we got into got to Thailand about loss of ministry opportunities until we got on our feet and knew what God wanted us to do. Um, So that was hard. But the step of faith was, it was hard. And yet we had a confidence and a knowing in our hearts that God had said it. Staying in the word, uh, listening to the spirit in prayer, others, you know, speaking that life into us. Um, And I've done other things in my life that was a a step of faith that's, you know, even coming back to Canada. I started a mission school, which terrified me. I don't know if you know those personality tests, but I think it's like Enneagram. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we do. I'm a number three. Oh. So, So I have an extreme fear of faith. Meet, meet Rhonda, number three as um, well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so like when I opened a mission school, I was 50 and I thought, this is going to be my legacy. I'm going to open it and it's going to fail. <laughs> and the, the fear of failure, like that's the, that's the thing that I have to fight through, even though I hear God's voice, it, you know, God will take care of it. If he's called you, he'll take care of it. Um, so stepping out and doing that, it's scary. But when you do, like when you jump out, it is like the best thing ever, you know, because you see God do what you can't. So I can plan and I can make the calls and I can do all the preparation, but God brought the money. God brought the people. All of that is him. And that's living in the miraculous. So again, like I said about the stories in the Bible, they became my stories, not just something I read about. So that's really exciting. It's worth the jump. Mm. The scariest part is between the decision and the actual doing it. Like it, but once you do it, it's, a beautiful thing. And sticking it out in the beginning. <laughs> yes, 100%. 100%. As you're working through the transition, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Questioning, what did I do? Right, right, right. <sighs> yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> Love it. Okay. So you're a pastor, um, been a pastor for many years. Yeah. What do you love about pastoring? What's kind of your favorite parts of the role of pastor? I think sometimes people think that all we do is just, you know, prepare for the sermon. Yeah. <laughs> On Sunday. But there's only one person speaking. Yeah. So, and there's, you know, a lot of, there's just so much that takes place from week to week that I don't think people um, anticipate. What do you love about pastoring and which parts not so much? <laughs> what I love the most would be being able to breathe life into people um, through the Holy Spirit and watching their lives change. And with young adults, it's pretty exciting because they are in a time in their life where they're, when you, if you can inspire a young adult, they're unstoppable. And I don't see them as leaders of the future. I see them leaders of now. 
and I'm watching them take their rightful place in the body of Christ. And that brings me more joy than you can imagine. Like, yeah, just watching them find out who they are in Jesus, like I did, and then them soaring, there's nothing like that. I love seeing that happen. I love seeing people come to faith in Jesus. So I've seen that my whole life, and I still cry. So on Sunday, I prayed with a lady who for the first time invited Jesus into her life, and I cried. I don't know her. It doesn't matter. Her life is about to change mm. forever. That brings me more life than you can imagine. Praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I know that that's going to empower them to be witnesses and give them a boldness that they never had. I cry every time that happens. Like, I love watching people come alive. The parts I find most difficult is when you've inspired and loved and served someone and they make a decision to step back or not follow Jesus. I take that weighs on me so heavily. And I know, like, and that can happen with young adults um, because it's a really precarious age. Yeah. Um, So when I see that happen, I'm crushed by that. I go over, what could I have done better? Did I do the right thing? Did I speak enough life over them? Did I pray enough for them? I take every one of those things very personally. And I know ultimately it's their decision. Yeah. But that crushes, it crushes me uh, in my heart. I I don't, I don't like that at all. Wow. (laughs) Um, And I also... I feel upset when I know that people aren't experiencing all they can in Jesus and yet choose to stay stuck. And Mm. that upsets me because I was that person. Right. I I don't look at it in a condemning way, like, what's wrong with you? I just think, oh, you don't know what you're missing. You're missing out on real living. That that is, I find that really, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What about for you, Rhonda? What do you what do you love about pastoring and what not so much? Okay, I love Sandra that we're both threes. I feel like <laughs> everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, me too. I get that. Yeah, I love, love empowering others to just see them soar. Exactly. Coming behind and watching them walk out in their giftings and to encourage and to bring life. I love, love speaking encouragement and life over people prophetically. Whether, however that manifests, whether I get the opportunity to speak on a Sunday or at a small group or one-on-one, I love that part of pastoring, of speaking life and destiny over people and being able to see in people, like God giving me the eyes to see the beauty and the potential and to just call that out and uh, to give them opportunity to exercise that and to watch them soar is so exciting. So that part for pastoring, I would love. How about you? What, 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 What not so much though? I, you know, I, I feel like I'm not trying to say ditto here, Sandra, yeah. but I feel like when you see someone that has so much that God has given them and so much opportunity and so much support and encouragement and they walk away, that is a really hard thing to see. Mm-hmm. That's a really hard thing to see Yeah. because uh, you can't own that for somebody. Right. And you can't change that for somebody. That is some. That's a freedom, and that's a place of deliverance. They have got to want with Jesus, yeah. and only they can they can take ownership of. So I think that's one of the harder things too in ministry when you just love people, and your pa- your passion is people, and to see people soar in Jesus, yeah. and they choose not to. That's really what your passion is. So that's linked to what devastates you as yeah. well. So they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. 
and uh, you. <laughs> You're always, <laughs> I love you loving on that side of the table no, asking no, questions. No, it's all good. No, I, I mean, um, the people side is definitely the side oh. that I love too. Just the privilege of being able to be a part of people's mm. story. Like mm-hmm. whatever part that is. You know, I often joke and people often joke with me that my spiritual gift is to push them out of their comfort yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, like, have yeah. you ever thought of this? Why don't you do this? I think you should do this. Yeah. I think you should step out in this way. I see this. And, um, but no, but to be, just to have even play a small, small part in just watching people take a step in God, a step of faith mm-hmm. in something that they never, ever saw in themselves or never, ever imagined that they could do. Um, absolutely love it. Um, I also am very, like, project kind of task dreamer so again to be able to collaborate around you know an upcoming project a dream something that we want to do you know we've recently been talking with a couple of leaders about this idea of possibly doing these freedom nights really what it is is like a giant group deliverance where we Mm. just bring a whole bunch of people into a room together and walk them through a freedom process Um, love dreaming up stuff like that talking about it implementing making those things happen Um, just those things give me so much life and excitement and keep me awake at night in the best way of like what could happen you know just dreaming and Mm -hmm. anticipating what could happen I love that I'm an Enneagram 7 so it does fit also within my personality of like always imagining and thinking about what is the next you know adventure that you know God has for us to to go in and making that happen Um, some of the parts that I find difficult are you know, some of the leadership, uh, you know, decisions that, mm-hmm. that we, we end up having to navigate, whether that's with our volunteer teams, yeah. whether that's with our staff teams, um, just di- walking people through difficult things when there's a disconnect maybe between how they see themselves mm-hmm. right. and, yes. you know, what's the result of what they're actually mm-hmm. doing or things like that. Just difficult leadership challenges and I find those I find those hard yeah. and and they do weigh heavy and I've had to do a lot of work with the Lord and continue to about not taking on somebody's stuff yeah. and and thinking that it's yeah. my responsibility yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see them through right. and just learning how to put the proper weight on them to walk out what it is that they need to walk out right and i i do this dance with people i think because you know it it feeds into a savior complex whatever i don't know i think of myself more highly than i ought and i just want to you know i'm like hey i'll take care of that i can do that for you but i you can't you can't do for anybody what god needs to do in their life and what they have to allow god to do in Mm -hmm. their life so those are some of the things that i find you know hard and painful really painful I don't think people often realize the weight of leadership on pastors like I would say uh, that's something else I find like even going to preach preaching at young adults or preaching at church the weight of preaching um, this is people's lives and you have to carry the word of God in a in a proper way and the weight of that the weight of decisions you make for the church um, or the ministry that you're involved in that is heavy that is heavy and there's a lot of sleepless nights for me. Like I wake up a lot in the night. I mean, I can fall asleep, but I can't stay asleep. Um, <laughs> and it's those things on me going, I need to know that I'm following the voice of God. I'm walking with the, with the Holy Spirit, doing the right thing, saying the right thing. Um, so the weight of that is something that never lifts off, but it's, it is part of the calling. And God helps us and, and empowers us to get, get through it. But that is one of the hard pieces as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. 
I'm just going to have you pull your mic just a little bit closer to your mouth. It's all good. Just pull it. Just pull it nice and tight. <laughs> just so that it, uh, and I'm going to pause so I can edit that. That's okay. Did you want to say something? No, for, it's good. Oh, okay. It's good. So Sandra, have you ever been afraid or insecure as a leader? Kind of how has that manifested? Again, like you just said, the weight of leadership kind of never abates. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people are always looking to us as a leader, but also for direction, for, you know, spiritual advice and and Mm -hmm. direction. Um, Has insecurity played into your leadership? How has it played? Or fear? 100%. Um, especially when I was younger, it was more prevalent then in my life, a lot of insecurity, um, just knowing what to say to people, uh, doing the right thing in the early days, feeling I had the, the right giftings for what God was asking me to do. Um, and in later years, every time I start something new, I have some insecurity, like, you know, what are you, what do you think you're doing? You know, starting something from scratch. I mean, I started mission school, I, like, I knew nothing about that, but God gave me the idea. And I had many thoughts. It's like, who do you think you are? Like, what what do you think you're doing? Um, but just knowing that I should step out in it. Um, yeah, even to this day, if I start something new, I feel, it's not like, ooh, I got this. I never feel like that. I feel like, God, help me. What am I doing? And stop giving me ideas. <laughs> like, not really, I do still want them. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you step on something that you've never done before, naturally and I hope as long as I have humility I would never feel like oh I've got it and I can take care of that and it's all going to be great I I need God to help me to do those things that he's asking me to do and um, also like when you're talking with people as well if I'm not fresh in the word I have nothing to say so I go back on stale bread that I've read you know so that's why staying fresh with Jesus has become so important to me after that encounter, because often I find what I've read in the Word, if I'm talking to someone, going through someone, that very day, I have Word that came to me to give to them. Um, so there can be insecurity there if you're not staying close to the Lord in the Word. Uh, um, and I just, as my, I want my uh, my prayer life to be strong so you can feel insecure in, in that you're like, staying so close to Jesus that you're hearing what he's saying all the time like that's why that's so important but when those things become regular in life that insecurity flees it's not as great you know but the big decisions they're still insecurity I'm a person <laughs> yeah, <So. laughs> absolutely and it really is more of Jesus like that we're human we yeah. need God and I love how Jesus was the ex- exact example he came down he spent time with the father yes. and how we think we could just get by in our own giftings our own yeah. strength Jesus modeled exactly relied on the yeah. Holy Spirit was infilled with the Holy Spirit baptized yes. yeah. and spent time with the father yeah that's exactly that is the only truth that we have man mm. will not live on bread alone but in every word that proceeds from the mouth yeah. of God it yeah. really is about the word of God Definitely. and I love how honest you were center because it really is true when you know when you are a leader people just look we've talked about this before in podcasts they just think you make these decisions fully assured inside you're we always say it's like a duck smooth on top of the legs are like ah, <laughs> under the surface but that is because god we need god because what we do is really supernatural yeah. Yeah. it really is supernatural because yeah. that's the weight that hangs it's not the fact that we can put on a good sir a service yeah. 
because that's actually not just what we want. We don't want a performance or a servants. We want the presence of God, the transformative presence of God. And that's supernatural. And that is what weighs when we think about people. We want people to be transformed. We first need to be transformed, but that is the weight, isn't it? That we can't do it on a natural strength. What we do is really what God needs to do. So. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, you see all through the Psalms, you know, God talking about how he is our security. He is our sure footing. He is our shelter. He is our, right? And so I think as soon as we put somehow ourself Mm -hmm. in the place of where God is supposed to be, there's going to be some insecurity. There's going to be some, that footing will Mm -hmm. not be as secure. And I recently, you know, just in my time with the Lord, I felt like the Lord quickened to my spirit that that, you know, that feeling, I feel like the Lord said that feeling that you have, that you always feel like you don't really know what you're doing. Right. <laughs> I felt like he said that actually is from me yeah. because I want you to rely on me. I know yeah. what I'm doing. You don't actually need to have all the answers or you don't need to know everything that you're doing or how you're going to do it as long as you rely on me, as long as yes. you ask me, as long as you're close with me. I know what mm-hmm. I'm doing, mm-hmm. so you don't have to worry. Yeah. And I was like, okay, because I've said to people in ministry, I don't know if you feel like this, but I've said to people before, you know, they've asked, oh, how do you, you know, how do you have three campuses? How do you, how do you know what? And we're like, I'm like, I actually don't know because in ministry, we're always in a stage where I don't know how to lead at this place. Right. This is right. a new place. Yeah. Every time we take another step of faith. I don't know how to lead mm, from here. Mm. I don't know how to do this. I've never done this before. I've never had to navigate all of these things before. I don't know right. how we're doing it, except that we are listening to the Lord and relying on the Holy Spirit. And yes. he's giving us what we need for the yeah. day. But yeah, does insecurity play a part? It has majorly in the past. And it does every time I put myself in the place of where God is supposed right. to be. Right. That's yeah, so powerful. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how it manifests for me. Um, all right. What about burnout? Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever kind of walked through, you know, there's there's a lot of demands. The demands never end. And the, the, the list of things to do in ministry, it never ends. There's no, there's a never ending kind of job list, especially when your job is people, when mm-hmm. your job is loving people mm-hmm. and you have whether you have 50, 100, 200, 1,000, however many people that you have that you're caring for, because your job is people, it kind of never, ever, ever ends. Um, have you ever experienced like a burnout or coming close to or feeling like, oh my gosh, I, I can't do like I can't do this anymore. Yeah, that happened to me though in my late 20s when I was going through that period of not um, being close to the Lord, just didn't want to be in ministry anymore. Um, I didn't really want to care about people's needs. You know, I would listen to people, you know, going through something and inside I was just thinking, oh, like, you know, I don't, I don't care. I actually got to that. I, I didn't want to be in ministry. Um, so my late twenties. Um, but to me, burnout isn't just you're overtired or you're, you know, you haven't set right boundaries. For me, again, it all goes back to if you are in the word, if you're close to Jesus, he gives us strength that we don't have. Burnout to me is linked 100% to the strength and power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I wasn't in the word and I wasn't praying. I have had other times on the mission field, remember thinking, you know, like compassion fatigue can happen. You've got such pressing, horrific needs. I worked with victims of human trafficking and women in prostitution for five and a half years. And there were times I remember thinking, everybody wants a piece of me like can someone 
I'm always saying, so how are you? How are you? I, I would. I got at a point saying, okay, could someone just ask me how I am? Wow. And that I wasn't being burnt out, but again, I felt like I needed to just ground myself strongly in the Word of God. And when I came back to doing that in a in a more powerful way, then that that left um, less of me, more of Jesus. And um, in ministry, your whole life, you are caring for other. You're always caring for other people. So it, it would be easy to get burned out if you're not staying close to him. So since my late 20s, no moments on the mission field of, wow, like I want someone to, to love me. So we actually, yeah. my husband and I did a five-day away. We we're on the way back to Canada for meetings. We stopped in Redding, um, California for five days Aww. over Easter. And um, we were in like the service every single day. I went into these healing rooms that they had on a Saturday. We spent every day in a prayer, 24-hour prayer thing that they have, him in one corner, me in another. And it was like, I think we're about year seven or nine, I can't remember. And I, I it was like a fresh wind, oh. you know? And it was really important for me to, yeah. to want to just keep, you know, keep caring, keep helping. Yeah. And uh, it was just a beautiful, it wasn't something big. It was just yeah. like, I would say like, you know, a healing cream <laughs> yes, <laughs> in a sense yes. on my life for a both bomb, of us. Yeah. yeah, it was a bomb for both of us. Yeah. So you, you need like deliberate things Not like that. Not a bomb. No, B-A-L-M. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be clear Maybe here. it was a bomb. <laughs> a but healing yeah. bomb. I'd take a healing bomb anytime. <laughs> T- taking of care of ourselves spiritually will it. help us not be burned oh, out. Oh, that's good yeah. advice. Yeah, that is. That's so good. Have you ever done a silent retreat? Oh, that would be so hard for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know there's a scripture in the Proverbs, I think, in the presence of many words, there is a lot of sin. Have you seen that one? <laughs> yes, no, I have I seen haven't. that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't. I, okay. God will have to tell me to do that. Oh, but it's so have you, have you? I only did my first one last year. Oh. I, I went and I just, my my parent and parent-in-law were um, out of the country. So I went to their house just for 48 hours. Oh. And it was unbelievable it was so I, I i fasted food as well and didn't do any like didn't do any tv like nothing i didn't i only had my bible mm-hmm. and worship music and that's it i did nothing else i listened to like a couple of podcasts uh, or like messages mm-hmm. i didn't do anything and it was the most profound 40 i didn't want to go home wow. i didn't want to leave that's it awesome. was it's it's it felt a little long at first like yeah. when i first got there i was like okay <laughs> gonna do this for 48 hours but it it was over and I was like what did I just do I couldn't eat the time it was it was and I got up at five in the morning I didn't even sleep in I didn't even sleep I got up at five it was incredible it was incredible I'd never done it before have you done yes I did I did it about three years ago and it was actually right before I came back into ministry wasn't too far before I came back into full-time ministry because I've been away for a little bit but Mm -hmm. um back at here at Life Center. So I did that and I went, same thing, my in-laws were away in Florida and so I stayed at their place for three days and I felt that I was fasting. No TV except for a little VHS. I was going to study the revivalists in old God's generals. Oh yeah. And read up on the revivals. I was asking God to do a fresh revival in my heart. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's all I did. And worship music in my Bible. I remember the first, I got into my parents. But didn't you keep your like keep yourself in a room? Yeah. So I, I arrived and I felt like God gave me some pre- like I want you to fast. I want you to just this. Okay, it's fine. And then I felt like God put in my spirit. I want you to go into one room of the house. One room. 
I, I almost, like, for about the first 12 hours, I didn't know if I was going to make it. I almost quit. Like, I was, like, crawling. I actually thought I was crawling the wall. I kept waking up at night, like, what do I do? Like, I felt like God was constraining me. Wow. And it was same thing. After three days, I came out a changed person. Oh, like, awesome. it literally was so a divine, cool. like, those moments, you yeah. just divine. I'll have to try that. Well, I don't know. Like, God, I felt God put that in my heart. So, yeah. Sandra, I'm you know, wait till, just wait till God puts yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. Oh, that's so But good. I just yeah. love, like, it goes right back daily, yeah. Yeah. spending time with You're the Lord. God is yes. so important. Daily, daily, yeah. daily. Yeah. Yeah. It's I so love that. I couldn't, I couldn't help but notice though, when you, you know, just shared that little bit and you said, you know, in your twenties, you almost left ministry. Like you just had Mm. no heart for it. And like, man, if you just reflect back to that moment and imagine like if the enemy would have won in that season, like what do you, yes. Like how God has used your life, what, what he's done, the people you've met, the opportunities, you Mm. know, for ministry, like, and you know, I know we've both had our own moments like that moments where you know in one way or another we wondered you know it, yeah. i think this is it like, yeah. i think i'm done this yeah. is hard and i'm hurting and i don't i don't really want this anymore and you just like you go to that moment you know you feel like you come to that moment in yourself at times and you just realize wow like the enemy is working yes so hard and something is coming a breakthrough mm-hmm. is coming yeah. uh a new season, uh, something fresh, something, you know, even like an outpouring is coming. It's coming and it's on the edge. And that's part of the attack. That's part of why the enemy's working so hard to take you out. But wow. eh? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Reflecting on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being sifted out, like really sifted out, almost being sifted out of what, of really being obedient to what God has. And we've, I think many people in ministry have, have that. For we sure. all have a story of how that's happened mm-hmm. and uh, so grateful. Life experience can get you off the path. Like I know mm. when we were really young, we worked with a pastor who was a little bit difficult and doubt started to come into our both of our minds then, should we be in ministry? And now if I meet young couples who've had a difficult go or maybe they've been in a church that's been very difficult or something hard has happened in their lives, it can be something that it's like bait that the mm-hmm. Satan will use mm-hmm. to get them off the call. Yeah. And um, if I meet someone who's doubting that, I always say the call hasn't changed. Your, your experiences and what you've gone through have thrown you, but God is still calling you Amen. because of what? Uh, we went through so yeah yeah the enemy just wants you to to abandon that call because God has a big plan that he wants to do and use you in a great way so I I think that attack um is a deliberate thing from the enemy to get you off of where where God's trying to lead you definitely definitely do you have a life scripture um I wouldn't say I had one in particular there's a couple that really resonate with me um Philippians 2 5 to 11 that speaks about Jesus though he was equal with God he didn't hang on to that, and yep. he made himself nothing and became a servant and was obedient to death, even death on a cross. And at the end it says, and God has raised him to the highest place, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow. I feel like that scripture, that example of Jesus being God himself and becoming nothing is just massive and such a beautiful picture mm. of humility that I can't even fully comprehend. It has always spoke to me. Um, another passage that spoke to me since that encounter I had at 33 is Psalm 51 
And it's actually the scripture of today. I'm going through a 30-day fast with the young adults, and today's scripture is this passage. And um, other versions would say, you know, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in Mm. me, cast me not away from your presence, and restore the joy of your salvation. The message says it like, um, wash me in your laundry, uh, shape a Genesis week out of the chaos of my life, and breathe fresh wind into my sails. And that would be a life scripture for me from that point on. Um, that just, I always go back to that. Uh, you know, David was crying out to God for something fresh in his life, and that would be the daily cry that I have in my life and never, ever want to forget that. So, yeah. Wow, that, that's would be beautiful. <laughs> that's really, really beautiful. Well, what an inspiration you are, Sandra. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love how you are so full of Jesus, so full of life, and so full of purpose. Thank you. I love that. We were just talking not too long about, like, there's no finish line until... Yeah. We go, we, till Jesus calls yeah. us to the, to home. Yes. yes. And so yeah. I love that with every breath, like you could see that in you, you pulsate mm-hmm. with purpose <laughs> yeah. and joy. Yeah. It literally, that's the word I could say for you. Yeah. You pulsate with it. <laughs> yeah. It literally is a life of Christ that oozes from you of just joy and life and freedom, but purpose. And uh, we just are so honored to be in the same city together and women in ministry and just seeing the purpose of what God has for the church, the big church of what he has in this time and in this season move forward. And so you are just an inspiration and we just love what God is doing (laughs) in and through your life has, is, and will. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And And with you guys as well. Yeah. No, thank you so much for coming today and for spending this time with us. And again, as Rhonda has said, like it really is such a privilege for us to be able to just build the kingdom of God alongside one another in the same city. You know, God is moving in our cities, doing Mm -hmm. profound things. And as one church breaks through, another gets to break through. And so, you know, we just speak absolute blessing over your church and over all everything that God is doing and we just pray that he would continue to pour out his spirit in a fresh yes. fresh fresh way over everyone mm-hmm. in all that he's doing and that yes. you would experience favor and that you, you would experience many salvations and yes. many Thank people being set guys. free yeah. like Amen. we just want to see mm-hmm. our city mm-hmm. you know come to to their knees yes. before Jesus yes. because we know there is a better way yeah. that that even who they are today they don't even realize right. they're sleepwalking right, right. they're literally sleepwalking right. but yeah. that there is actually a better way and mm-hmm. so we want to see that for every person who yes. attends your church and who is coming thank to you. Bethel thank yeah you. it really is such a privilege thank so you. thank you today and uh, as we leave I just want to remind you that God has complete confidence in you and that you are crowned as a daughter of the king God bless you bye we hope you enjoyed the podcast today it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a review you can follow us on Instagram at Awakening Moments Podcast, and you will find Lori and I at Lori Eitz Boucher and Rhonda.corto. We'd love to connect with you.